0: We in verse 5 this morning. And if we would please stand for the reading of God's word. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God the thing to be grasped. that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God, the Father. Let's pray. Our God, our Father in heaven, Lord, we do pray that you are glorified, that all the glory, Lord, would, would go to you and your Son for what he has done for us, Lord, that he would... Humble himself to the point of death, even death on a cross, Lord. God, I pray as we walk through this amazing passage this morning that we would uh, see the truth for what it is, Lord. That your son did not stay in the grave, but he was resurrected on the third day. And not only that, he ascended into heaven to your right hand and is in authority over all, Lord. Meaning he's in authority over us in our life. God, I pray that we recognize this truth, Lord, that we submit to it, that we enjoy, that we love the fact that we worship a God who is Lord of all. In your Son's name we pray. Amen. Today we're going to be looking at the second half of Philippians 2, 6 through 11, which I have said a number of times um, is one of the greatest passages in all of scripture, in fact, uh, uh, Paul is the author of this passage, but most scholars believe Philippians 2, 6 through 11 was probably a, a early church hymn, meaning this is what the early church sang, even uh, maybe a hymn that predates the book of uh, Philippians itself. Uh, early church hymn, and we kind of get a, a glimpse of exactly what the church believes, uh, almost a creed of the church uh, that is copied by Paul in this uh, letter to the philippians a a hymn that's so theologically rich that paul uses it as an example of humility for the church Um, this hymn as i said last week starts and ends really in the same place it starts and ends with the the glory of christ in the heights of heaven but in the middle of this hymn we see the humiliation of christ on the cross meaning this passage goes from glory to humiliation to glory. Last week, we looked at the first half of this amazing passage, uh, verses 5 through 8, which really covers the, the humility of Jesus, from the starting point of glory, all the way down, step by step, a downward spiral, all the way down to to the low point of the cross. This week, we're going to look at the the exaltation of jesus from the cross back to glory there's three points of the sermon uh, this morning the three points are are these the the one who exalted jesus second point the height of jesus's exaltation and finally the name given to to the exalted jesus so let's start with the first point the one who exalted jesus and if you would look at the very first word of verse 9 it's the word therefore. This is a very important word to this passage. In fact, it's an important word uh, to this hymn because it connects the first half of the hymn to the second half. It connects the humiliation of Christ to the exaltation of Jesus. In other words, it's because of Jesus's humility. Verse 9, therefore, God. God is about to do something. God, the Father, is acting, and, and that's important. Again, look at verse nine. It says, "Therefore, God has highly exalted Him, Jesus, and bestowed on Him the name that is above every name." God the Father is the subject of this new sentence in, in our passage, and and He's responding to what Jesus has done. Remember verses six through eight. Jesus is acting. He's the subject of the sentence. He He humbled Himself. He, Jesus acting, he did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped or held on to. Instead, he emptied himself. He took on the the form, the morphe of a servant being born in the likeness of men. Again, this is Jesus' action. He is acting in the first part of the hymn. And and then we get to this word, therefore, in verse 9, and we see God's response. The Father's response. Therefore, God has highly exalted him. Now, if I could summarize this hymn in just its most simplistic form of what it's teaching, it would be something like this. Jesus humbled himself, therefore God has highly exalted him. Jesus has humbled himself, therefore God has highly exalted him. That would be the the summation or the skeleton or the core uh, of this hymn, of this passage. And listen, it's an example to us. It's a truth seen throughout Scripture simply that those who humble themselves will be exalted. It's a proverb, but it's more than a proverb. It's a a promise. It's an axiom. It's a a truism. There's many examples throughout the Old Testament. In fact, I was just thinking through example of example of men who humbled themselves. Therefore, God has exalted them. I could just think of like Moses, for example, but, but Jesus is our greatest example. And I want to go to a couple different passages to kind of flesh this out. So if you would turn with me to Hebrews 12 verse 1. Again, we're going to be jumping around from passage to passage a little bit but I would like you guys to see this in, in your own scriptures. So Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. Now, verse 1 and 2 are uh, two verses, especially verse 2, that I go to a lot, but I want to kind of point something out that may be a little bit different than what I normally emphasize in this passage. If you would, look at verse 1. It says this in Hebrews 12. Therefore, since we are surrounded by, by so great a cloud of witnesses... Let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith. In other words, Jesus is our example, who, for the joy that was set before him, endured the cross, despising the shame. That is Jesus' humiliation. He humbled himself to the point of death, even death on a cross. And in verse two it says he endured the cross, despising the shame, and is he is now seated at the right hand of the throne of God. In other words, God exalted him to his right hand. And again, this is an example to us, because look at verse 2. It says, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith. In other words, Jesus is our example. And I want to be clear, he is our Savior, he is our Lord, he is our God, but but he is also our example. Paul says in Philippians 2, verse 5, Have this mind or mindset or attitude among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who he humbled himself, and then he let God exalt him. If you would, turn to another passage. This is Luke, Gospel of Luke, chapter 14, we'll start in verse 7. Verse 14, verse 7. It says this, now he, that's Jesus, he told a parable. This is one of Jesus' many parables that he told to to those who were invited when he noticed how they they chose the place of honor, saying to them, verse 8, when you are invited by someone to a wedding feast, do not sit down in a place of honor, lest someone more distinguished than you be invited by him and he who invited you both will come to you and say give your place to this person and then you will be begin with shame to take the lower place verse 10 but when you are invited go go and sit in the lowest place in other words make yourself low so that when your host comes he may say to you friend Move up higher. Then you will be honored in the presence of all who sit at table with you. Now now listen to verse 11. Uh, Jesus says this. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. This is exactly what Jesus did. He humbled himself. He he sat at, at the lowest place and then then let God exalt him. Right? God moved him up to the, the highest place. If we would turn to another place, Luke chapter 18, verse nine. verse 9 it says he again this is jesus he also told this parable is another parable another teaching of jesus to to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and treated others with contempt here's the parable verse 10 two men went up into the temple to pray one a pharisee and the other a tax collector the pharisee standing by him himself prayed thus god i thank you that i am not like these other men Extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week, I give tithes of all that I get. Verse 13. But the tax collector standing far off, would not even lift his lift up his eyes to heaven, but beat his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. This man, this tax collector, made himself low. Now, unlike Jesus, this man started in a low position. He was a tax collector. He was a known sinner. But he understood he was a sinner. He understood his nature. Therefore, he humbled himself before the Lord. Verse 14. I tell you, This man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but the one who humbles himself will be exalted. Again, we see this truth, this promise. In other words, Jesus didn't just teach this. He lived it. And this is not just found in the Gospel of Luke. It's found in Matthew. Matthew twenty-three, eleven says, The greatest among you shall be your servant. Whoever exalts himself will be humbled, and whoever humbles himself will be exalted. This truth is found in the Old Testament, Proverbs 18, 12. Uh, before destruction, a man's heart is haughty. In other words, prideful or, or self-exalting. But humility comes before honor. This truth is found in the epistles and not just the Pauline epistles. 1 Peter 5, 5 says this, Likewise, you who are younger, be subject to the elders. Clothe yourself, all of you, with humility toward one another, for God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. And then Peter says this in verse 6, Humble yourselves, therefore under the mighty hand of God, so that at, at the proper time, He may exalt you. James 4 verse 10 says this, Humble yourselves before the Lord and he will exalt you. Again, we just see this truth all over Scripture that that those who humble themselves will be exalted. And and the opposite of this is true too. Those who exalt themselves will be exalted. Therefore, as Christians, as followers of Christ, as those that that see Jesus' example, we we should be preoccupied with making ourselves low, with serving others, with giving our best to others, with, with... with putting others before ourselves. We should humble ourselves. We should not think too highly of ourselves or or our opinions or our position. We should should always be thinking of others because everyone who exalts himself will be humbled and he who humbles himself will be exalted. Luke 14, 11, again. Jesus is our greatest example of this. I mean, there is... No person ever who started in a higher position in the form of God, equal to God, who humbled himself to a lower position, becoming a servant, a a slave, being being born in the likeness of men, being obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. There is no one who started higher and ended lower than jesus therefore god has highly exalted him and this makes jesus our greatest example we are to have his mindset his attitude his way of thinking that's what the greek word means we are to humble ourselves by putting others first and and let God, by his grace, be the one that exalts us in our humility. Now, before we move on to see just how high God exalted Jesus, I I wanted to look at another example. There's just a comparison that I think is, is pretty amazing. It's a different example than Jesus, yet someone often compared to Jesus. Not as an example of what to do, but instead of an example of what not to do. This man's name is Adam. Jesus is often called the second Adam for a number of reasons. And, and I don't want to get into all the theological implications of that right now. But, but let's just think of a comparison between Jesus and Adam for a second. Because Jesus was in the form of God, Philippians 2, 6. Adam was made in the image of God, Genesis 1, through 27, which was a, a high honor. It was and is an exalted position in its own right. I mean, Adam was made... As the pinnacle of creation and put above all creation, given dominion of creation. Meaning both Jesus and Adam started in exalted positions. Jesus in the form of God, Adam in the image of God. But Jesus did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped or held on to. Philippians 2 6. Adam, on the other hand, sought after. Grasped after equality with God by eating the fruit. Genesis three, four through five. Jesus humbled himself. Adam exalted himself. Jesus was obedient to the point of death. Adam was disobedient and therefore was cursed by death. Jesus' obedience made many righteous. Adam's ob- disobedience made all sinners. And listen, because Jesus humbled himself, God exalted him. Because Adam exalted himself, God humbled him and kicked him out of the garden. Therefore, both Jesus and Adam really truly are examples. Jesus is our example that those who humble themselves will be exalted by God. Adam On the other hand, is our example that those who exalt themselves, that put themselves first, that disobey God, will be humbled. Therefore, the who in verse 9, Philippians 2 9, is extremely important. The who is God, God the Father not Jesus. This is one of the few times that the Sunday school answer doesn't work. Jesus. The who is God the Father, not Jesus. Jesus is not acting. Jesus didn't exalt himself. He humbled himself. Therefore, God, the Father, highly exalted him. This leads to my, me to my next point this morning. The height of Jesus' exaltation. The height of Jesus' exaltation. Now, now that we know the who of Jesus' exaltation, God, the question I want to ask next is, how high did God exalt him? How high did God exalt Jesus? If you would, turn back to Philippians 2, verse 9. Philippians 2, verse 9 again, it says, Therefore God has highly exalted Jesus, in other words, wasn't just exalted. He was highly exalted, which makes many theologians believe that he was given even a higher exaltation than he even had before the incarnation. Not that he was more God somehow or more perfect or more holy. That would be impossible. He was perfectly holy, perfectly perfect in the form of God before the incarnation. but, But some believe that he was given more honor because of the incarnation, because of his life, his death, and resurrection, God the Father gave him a, a higher exaltation, a higher honor. Now, I'm not going to speculate on that too much, because I'll find myself in some kind of trouble if I do. But what we do know for sure is that Jesus was highly exalted. The Greek word exalted has a prefix uh, uh, which we translate highly, it's Hooper. Therefore, he was hooper, and and nowadays hyper-exalted. It means extraordinarily honored, or highly honored, or highly exalted. Jesus was highly exalted, which again asks the question, well, well, how high? How high was Jesus exalted? Last week, we saw how low Jesus went, all the way to the cross, becoming a servant, becoming a slave, becoming a human, Obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Now I want to look at how high Jesus was exalted from the cross to glory. So if you would, again, turn with me to Ephesians this time. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 18. Again, we're going to look at a couple different passages. Ephesians 1, verse 18. I just, I just want to look at what Scripture says about Jesus after the incarnation, after the resurrection, how highly he was exalted in this passage that we're going to this is a prayer uh, by paul he writes out a prayer that he has for the ephesians he prays that the ephesians would have if you would look at verse 18 that they would have the eyes of of your hearts enlightened that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you, what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints, and what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe, according to the working of his great might. Verse 20 says this, that he, this is God the Father, that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand, seated him at the right hand, is important Jesus was raised from the dead but that's not all that happened you know sometimes I feel like Christians forget a very important part of the story of Christ Jesus was born in a manger something that we're going to be celebrating uh, this next week he he lived a perfect life he he died on the cross for our sins and, and he was raised on the third day but that's not the end of the story He also ascended into heaven in the heavenly places at the right hand of the Father. Verse 21, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion. That that phrase implies angels. All all the ranks of angels within the heavenly places. Uh, Jesus is far above them. And above every name that is named. Meaning Jesus has more honor than anyone that has ever had a name, period. Not only in this age, but also in the age to come. In other words, Jesus didn't didn't just die. The story doesn't end at the crucifixion. Meaning the gospel, the gospel message doesn't end at the crucifixion jesus was raised from the dead and then ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the father far above angels and every name that is named if you would turn to hebrews chapter one hebrews chapter one Verse 1. The author of Hebrews, inspired by God, writes this Verse 1 Long ago, at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, He has spoken to us by His Son, whom He appointed the heir of all things. Through whom also he created the world. He is the radiance of the glory of God, the exact imprint of his nature. And, and he upholds the universe by, by the word of his power. Now listen to this. After making purification for sins, what is that? that that's Jesus being the lamb, be, being slaughtered for sins. That's, that's Jesus being on the cross. It's the humiliation of Jesus. Jesus on the cross dying. After, after making purification for sins, listen to this. He sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, having become as much superior to angels as the name he has inherited is more excellent than theirs. Jesus was given a name. He inherited a name that is superior to the angels. More excellent than theirs. Which again, the question is, well, how much more? How high was Jesus exalted? Well, we'll look at verse 5. For to which of the angels did God ever say, You are my son, today I have begotten you. Or again, I will be to to him a father, and and he shall be to me a son. And, And again, when he brings the firstborn into the world, he says, listen to this, let all God's angels worship him. I mean, how high is that? God is commanding the angels to worship the sun. Verse 7. Of the angels, he says, he makes uh, his angels' winds uh, and uh, his ministers a flame of fire. But of the sun, he says, your throne, O God, is forever and ever unending. The scepter of uprightness is scepter of your kingdom. You, you have loved righteousness and hated wickedness. Therefore, God, your God, has anointed you with the oil of gladness beyond your companions. And he also says this, verse 10, and you, Lord, laid the foundation of the earth in the beginning, and the heavens are the work of your hands. They will perish, but but you remain they will all wear out like garments, like a robe. You will roll them up like a garment. They will uh, be uh, changed, but but you are the same, and your years will have no end. Verse 13, And to which of the angels has he ever said, Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet? This is Psalm 110, which is the most quoted passages, if not the most quoted passages in all of the New Testament where, where King David prophesied about the exaltation of Jesus. King David wrote this in, in Psalm 110, verse 1, the Lord said to my Lord, this is David's Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. That means right now, Jesus is at the right hand of God. He is far higher than any angel. He is far higher than King David waiting for God to make his enemies a footstool. Turn to Acts chapter 2. Start in verse 29. This is uh, Peter's sermon at uh, Pentecost. We're jumping halfway through it. Uh, This is a sermon he preached, and and the church was birthed, and and 3,000 people were saved and baptized. And he says this in verse 29, Brothers, I may say to you with confidence about the patriarch David, that he both died and was buried, and his tomb is with us to this day, being therefore a prophet and knowing that God had sworn with an oath to him that he would set one of his descendants on his throne he foresaw and spoke about the resurrection of the Christ that he was not abandoned to Hades or or did his flesh see corruption verse 32 this Jesus God raised up and of that we are we all are witnesses being therefore exalted at the right hand of God And having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, he has poured out this that you yourselves are seeing and hearing. Verse 34 says this, For David did not ascend into heaven, but he himself says, The Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. Let all the house of Israel therefore know for certain, That God has made him, that's Jesus, both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you. Of the humiliation of Christ, because of the humility of Christ, because of his willingness to come and walk with us. His making himself low, humbling himself to the point of death, even death on the cross, because of the humility of Christ, verse 9: therefore God, the Father, has highly exalted him. Far above King David, far above any angel, far above any name that is named, God has made him both Lord and Christ. This brings me to our third point this morning, the exalted name of Jesus. Look at verse 9 again, it says, therefore God has highly exalted him, but that's not the only thing he and bestowed on him the name that's above every name. Now, I spent a whole sermon on this. Uh, The name that is above every name is not Jesus. It's not the name Jesus. That was, in fact, a a very common name in the time of Jesus. There was nothing special about that name. It was the equivalent to, to Joshua. It was the name given to Jesus at birth but there is a name given or bestowed on Jesus after his resurrection and ascension therefore the name that's above every name is not Jesus it's Yahweh because there is no higher name than Yahweh there's no higher name than the very name of God and it has been bestowed on Jesus or or that greek word means graciously or or heartfeltly given What do I mean by this? Well, think of names in scriptures. Often a person is given a name at birth, and then God changes that name at a pivotal point in that person's life. Abram's name was changed to Abraham when he entered into a covenant with God. Jacob's name was changed to Israel when he wrestled with God. Simon's name was changed to Peter as an apostle. Even the woman's name in the garden was changed to Eve in Genesis because she was the mother of of all the living. God often gives or bestows on people a new name. Therefore, Jesus, as the God-man, when he ascended into heaven after his death and resurrection, was given the name that is above every name. Look at verse 10. so that at the name of Jesus... Every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. The name that was given to Jesus is Lord. Jesus Christ is Lord. Now, I know some of you are thinking, especially if you didn't hear my sermon two weeks ago, isn't Lord a title, not a name? Well, yes, it is a title, but it's also a name. And I want to show you this truth differently than I did two weeks ago. So if you would turn to Romans 10, verse 9. Romans 10, verse 9. And if you're an evangelist, this is a very familiar verse to you, a very important verse, especially in evangelism. I'm sure most of us have this at some level memorized. Romans 10. Verse 9 says this, Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Now, most of us, again, know this passage, but, but here's my question. What does it mean that that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Well, it means at least this. You can't just say, Jesus is my Savior. You must also recognize him as Lord. In other words, Jesus is not just a get-out-of-hell-free car. If you're acting that way, I just want to be clear. If Jesus isn't, isn't the Lord of your life, there is a very, very good chance that you are not saved at all. And this is because Jesus wasn't just born in a manger. He didn't just live a perfectly righteous life. He didn't just die on the cross for your sins. He did all those things, but, but Jesus' life didn't didn't end in humiliation in the grave. No. He was raised on the third day. And then he ascended into heaven at the right hand of the Father, and he was given the name that is above every name. He was given all authority on earth and in heaven, far above any angel, far above any any man. Therefore, if you, if you don't recognize him as Lord, if you don't confess him as Lord, you are not saved. A.W. Tozer writes this, To urge men and women to believe in a divided crisis is a bad teaching. For no one can receive half of Christ, or a third of Christ, or a quarter of the person of Christ." We are not saved by believing in an office or in a work. He is Lord. And those who refuse him as Lord cannot use him as Savior. Everyone who receives him must surrender to his authority. For to say we receive Christ when in fact we reject his right to reign over us is utter absurdity. It is a futile attempt to hold on to sin one hand and to take Jesus with the other. In other words, Lord is a title. He is our Lord. He is our master. He is in authority. Remember what Jesus said at the Great Commission to the Apostles? All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. In other words, he's Lord. He's in charge. He has been given all authority. In fact, Jesus is called Lord over 700 times in the New Testament. And I said this a couple weeks ago. I just hear, and there's nothing wrong with this, God is love. But I hear that over and over and over again as as if that's the defining characteristic of who God is. He is love. It says it three times, I think, in all of Scripture. 700 times he's called Kyrios in Greek, Lord. Over 700 times. In the book of Acts alone, he is called Lord 92 times. This is the apostles going out and and preaching the good news, preaching the gospel uh, to everyone, and he's called Lord 92 times. You know how many times he's called Savior in Acts? Let me just say this as clearly as I can. If you don't recognize Jesus as Lord, you are not saved. Listen, I think there's a lot of people that are okay with Jesus being their Savior. many of these same people are not okay with Jesus' rightful lordship over their lives. They are okay with Jesus being their savior, but they are not okay with Jesus having any demands on them themselves. But again, look at verse nine. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, Believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Therefore, again, Lord is a title, Jesus is rightful title, and it's an important one. One that recognizes his, his rightful authority in our lives. But let's keep going in this passage. Look at verse 10. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with a mouth one confesses and is saved. For the scripture says, Everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek. For the same Lord is Lord of all. Bestowing his riches on all who call on him. Then verse 13. For, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. There's a correlation between verse 9 and 13, by the way. But here we see the name. What name? What's the name of the Lord? Again, it's not Jesus. Because this is a direct quote from the Old Testament. And the quote quote makes very clear what name is being talked about here. This is Joel 2 verse 32, which says this. And it shall come to pass that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord, capital L-O-R-D, shall be saved. That means the name of God, Yahweh. Everyone who calls on the name Yahweh will be saved. Listen, in in Romans 10, Paul is ascribing the name of God to Jesus, and therefore he's ascribing the same status, the same authority, the same power to save as Joel does in his book, the book of Joel. Meaning Jesus is both Lord, title, and God name. Jesus is both Lord, title, and Yahweh. Now turn back to Philippians 2, verse 9. Philippians 2, verse 9, therefore God has highly Exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Jesus is Yahweh. Jesus is God. Jesus Christ is Lord. He is in authority to the glory. Of God the Father, and there we see the mystery of the Trinity. You glorify Christ, you grow up, glorify the Father. You worship Christ, you worship the Father. Listen, one day every knee will bow, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Meaning Non-believer, both alike, everyone will bend the knee to Christ as Lord. The question is this: Will you bend the knee to Christ's lordship as a co-heir with Him, as an adopted son and daughter into His family, or will you bend the knee as His enemy who just? either way you will bend the knee because at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth even demons will be bowing and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord So that's the three points of the sermon this morning the one who exalted Jesus was the father Jesus' actions were to make himself low Humbled himself, Therefore, God highly exalted him. Well, how high? The second point, the height of Jesus' exaltation. He is now at the right hand of the Father, waiting patiently to return. The last point is the name given to the exalted Jesus. It's the name that is above every name. Jesus Christ is Lord. Let me end are not a christian the bible is just so clear we are all born into sin in fact into sin means we are born with a sin nature and that's not good because god is holy and in his holiness he hates sin and we are born with a sin nature therefore there is a separation you're not a believer this morning there's a separation between you and God because of your sin the Bible even says that God's wrath is aimed at you Ephesians 2 says we are children we are born children destined for wrath born as enemies of God but here's the good news out of God's love out of the Father's love he sent his son to earth Jesus fully man fully God, truly man, truly God. He lived a perfect life, completely obedient, completely righteous. And then Jesus humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. He took on our punishment on the cross, our our, our wages we earned. He died a criminal's death. our sake, he, that's God the Father, he made him, Jesus, to be sin, who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. And listen to this. The Bible says that whoever believes in him will be saved. And we know this is true because on the third day he was raised from the dead, proving that he conquered death and sin. And then he ascended into heaven right hand of the father where he now awaits a day when God will make his enemies a footstool therefore if, if you have not trusted in, in Jesus as your Lord and Savior the Bible is clear the Bible is clear trust in him today if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead you will Salvation is only through faith, trust, belief in him. It's salvation by grace alone, a free gift of God. You cannot earn it by grace alone, through faith alone, through trusting in Jesus, putting your faith in him, in Christ alone, to the glory of God alone. You haven't trusted in Jesus. Lord, God, I pray for those that, that heard the sermon this morning, Lord, those that that truly haven't recognized Jesus as Lord of their lives. And God, I use that word recognized because Jesus is Lord of everyone's life. Yet we live in a world where people will not so many of us just want to be our own lords of our own lives just like Adam in the garden Lord and that just leads to pain and misery and eventually eternity in hell God I pray that we recognize your son's lordship we recognize his authority, we recognize the name that has been given to him Lord and we submit to him not not out of fear but in joy Lord